got some good dads and we've got some great kids. Amen to that? Man, that was neat. They did a good job. I, they really did. I'm proud of all of them for the way they uh, honored their dads. Um, we turn to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. And I, 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 as, we get, <laughs> as we get started today, before we get started, I want to uh, say something to you. I try to put myself in your shoes. I try to say, well, what's it like for them sitting out there doing this, you know, enduring this, you know, guy going on and on and on? Uh, is it, is it, does it work? Is there, a, you know, is it getting across? Is our lives... Uh, able to be changed by what we're doing. And I watched the video last week, which I, I do occasionally. And I have to say that those of you who are, you know, primarily our, our video watching congregation out there, uh, there's more of you than there are those that are attending the services. And so uh, we we're, we're, we're really need to think about you guys and pray for you guys and, 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 and focus on you guys quite often. And as I listened to the message from last week, uh, you know, I was doing things, you know, I, I, I was scrambling eggs, you know, I was shaving my face, I was doing stuff, you know, and I was trying to listen to the sermon, see how it came across and everything, and, and I have to tell you that it was hard for me to track the sermon all the way through, and that's me. I, last week, I lived John chapter 9. I mean, I, I was completely immersed in it. I read everything I could get my hands on regarding it. I, I wrote it in my hand. I wrote a sermon about it. I, I, I lived John 9, and even still, I had a hard time tracking some of what was going on because it's hard to maintain the focus of doing that with all the distractions of home and everything else. And so I want to say to you guys, the only way that you really are able to do this well, and the only way that we are able to do this well is to actually have a Bible. Not an app. Not, not depending on the slides, because you're only getting a part of it there. You're only getting a chunk. You need to see all of it. You need to have your Bible in your hand, walking through. And if you don't have a Bible, uh, let me know. If you, if, you, if you need us to get you a Bible, we'll get you a Bible. But you need to have a Bible as you go through these, and if, if you don't have a Bible tracking verse by verse what we're doing, you're not going to see that, the value in, in what we're doing in this time. And so, please, guys, go get it. Go get your Bible and come back, and, and let's do this together. And those of you who are here today, God bless you. Get out your Bibles. And if you didn't bring it today, bring it next week. Because, honestly, if we don't use our Bibles, we're just playing at this. We're just playing at this. We're not actually get, gaining ground and get it. our teeth are not getting into this like it needs to happen. So please bring your Bibles next week. We didn't bring it this week. And please get out your Bibles now as we turn to John chapter 10. Now John chapter 10 is a sermon. It's a sermon that Jesus preached. And that's, that means we really need to focus on these words of Jesus Christ. These are very important uh, words that he says. Uh, I mean, colossal claims that he makes, and he starts with very truly, I tell you, amen, amen, lego human, which means you need to pay attention. There, there's just nothing more important than what you're about to hear as Jesus begins to uh, break that out for us uh, in this message. In the first six verses, we have what verse six calls a figure of speech. It's, uh, others have, have written about this, calling it a proverb or a uh, uh, metaphor 
or an allegory. It's a figurative discourse. It's not a parable. Parables are a little bit different than this, but it starts with, he starts this message that he gives uh, with a story, a story where everything kind of represents something else. And they understood what, you know, what he was talking about, but they didn't understand what he was talking about. They understood the concrete uh, pieces of the story, sheep and sheep pens and thieves and things of that nature, but they didn't understand what he was talking about, what he meant by what he was saying. Uh, And so uh, let's look at uh, John chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. John 10, beginning in verse 1. Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls out his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all, out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they, are, they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Verse 7. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me, what? Will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this pen, of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it for me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided, divided, divided. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that we are here today and we're gathered in your name, in your presence, with your word open, ready to hear from you. And God, I pray that you do the work of sanctifying this time and making it a sacrament through which we experience you. Lord, please feed us the spiritual nutrition that we need. God, change our thinking, change our hearts. We pray, God, that faith will come about today for those that don't have it, those who haven't yet trusted you, as they hear your words and think about the divide, the great divide that is in this world, those that believe in you and those that reject you, and that's all there are. We pray, God, that today... Those that don't believe will come. In this hearing will come to trust you and love you and worship you and give you their heart, give you their love, give you their life. 
Please be with this time now. We pray with all our hearts in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. As I said, this is a sermon. He starts the sermon with a story. And that's a good way to start a sermon. You know, you start a story and everybody gets on board with your story. And if you can tell a story that people connect to, that's great. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll get excited. Oh, yeah, I know what he's talking about. He's talking about, and you kind of go, yeah, 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 yeah. Sheep, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know sheep, sheep pen, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is something that these listeners that are hearing Jesus' sermon are very familiar with. But you and I, not so much. You and I don't hang out with sheep very much. In their place, in their day, there are sheep everywhere. On every hill, there are sheep. In every village, in every city, there's a sheep pen, a communal place where the sheep are stashed whenever the shepherds have to come to town. Uh, and this communal place, the sheep pen, uh, that, that everyone in that day was acquainted with was a, a, a place in town that ha- usually had like rock walls, kind of like this, and uh, one entry... Where, you, where they would come in and go out. There was no second door. And the, the shepherds would put their sheep there, and they would stay there until the shepherd came to take them away. Now, this is a communal pen, so there's a mixture of sheep in this pen. There's not just one shepherd's sheep, usually, but there's other shepherds who are also sticking their sheep in there, too. So all these sheep are mingling together. All these, there's like a whole bunch of sheep from a whole bunch of shepherds, okay? And they're just all in there together. Mixing, mingling, visiting with one another. They might have been having a good time. They might have been like a, a club for them. Maybe there was techno music playing. And they were all just kind of visiting with one another and hanging out, right? Sheep hanging out together, talking about sheepy stuff. Where you been? How's it going? It's been a while since I've seen you. I thought we were, you were at that pen in Bethel. I remember that was a great place. This place is a dump. Right? All the moms would get together and go, that's a pretty baby. They would just visit with one another, these sheep hanging out with one another. The rams would be checking out the ewes, you know, sitting back, looking at the ewes. Maybe they'd walk on over to the water trough where one of the ewes was standing and say, hey, baby, you look unbelievable. And the, the ewe, she might get all flustered and she go, oh, oh, my, be still my bleeding heart. Isn't this bad? It's bad, <laughs> bad. <laughs> this is the third time I've done this. It gets worse every time. But every morning, the, the shepherd would come, and he would call his sheep out. It's time to go. It's time to go, sheep. And he would call them. That's the common knowledge that they understood that we don't. They understood that. And now that we understand that, what is he trying to say? What is this story supposed to teach us? What's the point? Jesus, Jesus makes colossal claims. In these 21 verses, colossal claims that we have to weigh and say, do I believe this or do I not believe this? And the first claim that he makes is that he is the one with legitimacy. He's the shepherd with actual legitimacy. Um, Verse 1 says that anyone, Jesus says, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. We have thieves and robbers and strangers talked about in our verses here. 
uh, and Jesus says, watch out for them. And he talks about thieves and robbers. Do you know thieves and robbers are not the same thing? Thieves are sneaky. They're sly. They're like con men or pickpockets or, or cat burglars. They're, they're, they you know, kind of use some skill to trick and take what's not theirs. Robbers, they are not subtle. They are blunt. They are violent. They hit, they smash, they grab, they take, they hurt. That's a robber. And that's the difference between a robber and a thief. But you know what? The, the, the spiritual leaders of Israel had both. They had robbers, robbers that were okay with brutalizing people physically. They did it to Jesus. And they had slick guys that were more subtle and more, more wicked in their conniving and their trickery, but just as wicked. Jesus points out that these guys are, are, are these robbers. They're, they're trying to get at the sheep. They're trying to come in the sheep. They're, they're not going to come through the gate. The gate is the accepted way that God has established where we come to God. And God has chosen some people and ordained some people and called some people and said, these are my men. These are my women. These are the ones who are called by God and ordained by God and anointed by God. And none of those guys are them. They're thieves and robbers. They might have a position, but they are not with God at all. And John the Baptist saw this. When they showed up at the baptism, he said, who warned you guys to come uh, to flee from the, the coming wrath? He, he pointed out that they were not at all sincere a, a, about God. It was all more about what they could get from the fleece, uh, from the fleecing of the sheep. Verse 2, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. Jesus is not a thief. And he's not a robber. He does not try to trick people into believing. And he does not force or coerce or, or strong arm anyone into believing. He just says, I'm from God. I'm the gate. This is the truth. I'm the one. God has made it very clear that he's the one. He has definitely ordained and anointed Christ, his chosen one. The son, and Jesus says, if you'll believe this, you come. But he's not trying to trick anybody. He's just trying to tell everybody. And the scripture testifies that he is the long-awaited good shepherd. Micah 5.2, among many, many, many other, but I chose Micah 5.2 out of all the voluminous passages about the coming shepherd. Micah 5.2 says, but you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah... Out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. One's coming, but he's from ancient times. And he will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. The flocks, the, the sheep that are not of that pen. A shepherd's coming, Micah said. A shepherd's going to come, and he's from old. He's from ancient days, and the whole world is going to come and live securely in him. He is, Jesus is, the recognized, authorized, ratified, certified shepherd of the sheep. And the gatekeeper is God. And the gatekeeper has said, that you, this is him. He used John the Baptist and other prophets to point at him, but God gave the word and said, he's the one. And he can come and get the sheep anytime he wants. He is the shepherd, the true shepherd 
of the sheep. He has legitimacy. Second thing, I'm excited about this one. Jesus is the shepherd offering intimacy. Jesus is the shepherd offering intimacy. Verse 3, second half. The sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He calls the sheep by name. Hey, Fluffy. Hey, Scratchy. Hey, Brownie. Hey, Stinky. He calls them out. He checks them out. He knows every one of them intimately. He knows each one of them individually. He calls them by name and leads them out. And when he's brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. And in fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. He knows your name. And you know if you're his, if you're one of his sheep, you know his voice. He knows your name, and he knows, and you know his voice. I was holding back. I, I, I might have should have started with the context of, of the passage, but I had to wait for this point because I just love how this connects to the love that God has for us. Oh, how he loves you and me. Oh, how he loves you and me. And oh, how he wants to have that intimacy, that, that shared deep knowledge of one another. He, he doesn't just know your name. He knows everything about you. And, and we follow John 9 with John 10, okay? But uh, John 9 is the story, this astounding story of this blind man who was born blind, and he's healed. He's healed, and he comes to faith, and it rolls right over into chapter 10. The sermon is connected to the miracle. It's all part of the same. There's no bridge. There's no break. It's the same moment. It's the same day. It's the same event that's happening that, 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 that he says to them, uh, you know, they say, are we blind too? And, and he says, well, yeah, because you claim to see, you're, you're blind. And then he says, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. He's talking about them. And they still don't get it. They're still blind. But in chapter 9, there's this man. Now, I don't know all of you. Some of you I don't know at all. I mean, very, very, very little do I know about some of you. And I'm sorry about that. I'd like to know you better. I don't know what it's like to be you. I don't know what it's like to wake up in your shoes, if you sleep in your shoes. I don't know what it's like for your struggles and pains. And I don't know what, in what way you feel trapped or pinned in like these sheep. I don't know if you're frustrated with something. I don't know if you're unfulfilled or disconnected, lonely, hurt, lost, angry, sad, numb. I don't know. But there's one who does know, and he knows everything. He doesn't just know your name. He knows everything. He knows your molecular structure. He knows your DNA. He knows everything about you. He knows your past. He knows your present. He knows your thoughts. He knows your heart. He knows the things that no one else knows. He knew Nathaniel. Nathaniel was under a fig tree when somebody wanted to get him, went to get him to tell him about Jesus. And Jesus saw him. Even though he didn't see him, he saw him under that fig tree. And Nathaniel came. And Jesus said, now here comes a true Israelite in whom there is no deceit. He knew him. I mean, he knew him, even though he didn't know him. He knew him. He knows you like that. He knows everything. He knows things about you you, you don't know, a lot about you, you you don't know. He knew Simon, 
and called him by name before he changed his name to Peter. He knew Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was trying to be way back in the crowd. He was trying to be anonymous. He was trying to be invisible. He got up in a tree. And Jesus went under that tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down. I'm going to your house today and we're having chicken. That's what I would have said. But Jesus knew this blind beggar. He knew him by name. He saw him when nobody else saw him. Every day, people walked by him and didn't see him, didn't pay him any notice. Those that might have flipped him some coins, they didn't want to have eye contact with him. And he, he lived like this. He lived being dehumanized. Nobody cared. But Jesus cared. Jesus had made this man in his mother's womb, and he made him in such a way that his eyes didn't work, waiting for a particular day when he would fix them. And he loved him, and he couldn't wait to meet him and talk to him and heal him, and he did. When the thieves and illegitimate robbers, prophets, shepherds, the prophet, the thieves, the robbers, the illegitimate shepherds, strangers, they threw him out of the synagogue. Jesus went and found him because that's Jesus. He wants this relationship. He knows everything about you and he wants you to know him too. He's relational that way and he's calling you. He's calling your name and if you're one of his sheep, you hear his voice. You hear his voice because his sheep hear his voice, he says. He called Mary's name. Mary was in the, the garden by the empty tomb, and she was talking to a man. She, she was so distraught. She didn't know who she was talking to, but she was talking to Jesus. And Jesus said her name. That's all he had to say, Mary. And she came out of her skin and said, Rabboni, teacher, it's you. She knew his voice, you see. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And when somebody loves you, you can hear it in their voice. And if you know Jesus, and if you're one of his sheep, you wouldn't trade the sound of his voice for anything. There's nothing like his voice. You wouldn't respond to another voice if you'd been called by Jesus' voice. Sheep don't come to another voice. I don't know any sheep personally. You might know some sheep. I don't know any sheep. But I have a dog. He's actually a sheep dog, so it's close. Sheep dog. Which is kind of my job, because he's the shepherd and I'm the sheep dog. I stand up here and bark at you. And hopefully it gets you going in the right direction. But he's the boss. My dog, I don't know about your dog, but my dog, Maggie does not come to people that she does not know. And if you try, if you go to her house, and you've been to my house, you, you, you come to my house and you say, hey, Maggie, Maggie's not coming. Maggie will bark at you. Why are you saying my name? I don't know you. I, I mean, I can understand what she's saying. And she it sounds like bark, 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 but she's saying, I don't know you. Get my name out of your mouth. We're not friends yet. And I'm not okay with you calling me. And just like the sheep here who... When they're, when they're called by a stranger, go the other way. That's what my dog will do. And that's what Jesus' sheep will do when the stranger comes and calls and tries to lead them astray. Whoa, something's not right here. Jesus is the shepherd with legitimacy. Jesus is the shepherd with 
intimacy. Jesus is the shepherd giving security. Jesus is the shepherd giving security. Verse 7, Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I'm the gate. Whoever enters through me mm, 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 will be saved. The true shepherd arrives and he says, let's go, sheep, let's go. He calls them out by name, calls their names. And all the sheep begin to separate themselves from the mixture. In that sheep pen, all the sheep that belong to the shepherd, they start coming out. It's like an exodus, uh, you know, and uh, all those sheep that have been looking at each other, lovey-dovey all night long, just going to, woo-woo-woo, lovey-lovey. Those rams look at those ewes and they go, bye-bye, baby. And those ewes with broken hearts, they go, bah! And there's a break. And they go because the shepherds called them. And they walk out. They walk out because they belong to their shepherd. And they answer his call. And he says, whoever enters through me will be saved. He sets them free. He gets them out of that pen and sets them free. He's the gate. And he will save them if they come through him. Now, sheep aren't that smart. They're kind of defenseless. But defenseless, Left unattended, they become parasite-ridden and gross and dirty and matted. And if they get on their back, they can't get back up again. They're prone to wander and get lost. And they are the easiest prey, I think, in the human kingdom. Or in the human kingdom, in the animal kingdom. And they need a shepherd to keep them safe. So do we. Jesus is our only chance at safety. There are things going on in this world and in the spiritual world that we can't see, and we are easy pickings. Easy pickings if we don't have a Savior, if we don't have someone to take care of us, and we have Jesus, our matchless hero, our masculine Savior, our mighty Lord. And I'm telling you, friends, he stands up for us. He stands up for us against robbers and thieves and wolves and lions and bears. And there's no one like him. There's no one like him. If you look at the contrast, verse 11, to him and the others. He says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Ah, ah. And then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. And the man runs away. Ah. Because he's a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. Wimpy little hired hand. Professional mercenary shepherd who does not care. All he wants is to get paid. That's all he wants. And when the heat is on, he's gone. But our good shepherd isn't just willing to lay down his life. He says he does lay down his life. And he did lay down his life. It's not just talk. It's not just talk. There are a lot of guys out there who will talk the talk. Oh, I'd give my life for my family. I've heard guys say that who have left, deserted their family. Oh, I'd give my life for my family. They wouldn't live their life for their family, wouldn't stay with their family. But they would give my That's all talk. There's too many people with too much talk. Too much talk. Jesus was not talk. He didn't say, I'm willing to give my life for my family. He said, I'm laying my life down for my sheep. And he did. He did. And he did it because there was no other way. He prayed. He said, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. But there was no other way. And so he laid his life down. Voluntarily gave his life as a sacrifice. 
a substitutionary sacrifice for you and me so that we can be saved. And he's the only way. He's the only way. And if we come to him, we'd be saved. Security. He's the shepherd who gives security. How secure are we if we're his sheep? How secure are we? Look at verse 14 and 15. This is, this is key right here. You can see it in other places in Scripture, but you need to see it right here. He says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as. I actually circled just as right here because I think it's a very, very important uh, connection here to this thought. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I laid my life and I lay my, down my life for the sheep. How secure are we? Well, I want you to picture Jesus, the good shepherd, taking his hand and holding on tightly in his mighty hand to his sheep. Holding tightly. Can they break away? Can some robber take them away? Can they be led astray by a stranger? He's got them. Is it sufficient to hold him? He, 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 he tells us something here. It's not only that he has his hand holding on to the sheep, and he knows his sheep, and his sheep know him. But it says he's just as he knows his father, and his father knows him. Now I want to ask you, how on earth, how in the universe can you separate the second person of the Trinity from the first? How can you separate the Son of Man from the Ancient of Days? How can you separate the only begotten Son from the Father? It can't happen. And he says, just as I know my Father and my Father knows me, he says, my sheep know me and I know them. You're secure. If you are his sheep, there's nothing that can take you away from him if you are his sheep. No robber can take you. No stranger can lead you astray. You're in this family and you're in this flock forever and ever and ever. There's so much more to this passage than we have time to talk about. Let me go quickly through these last Three that I knew I wasn't going to have time for. But verse 10, he says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I'll come that you may have life and have it to the fullest. This fullest, or the full, is the Greek word parison, which means superabundance, excessive, violently lavish. Violently lavish. That's the life that he wants to give you. A violently lavish life. He didn't just save you. So you could suffer through an a awful lifetime in your days. But he wants to give you great things. I want you to think about a shepherd. I, mean, I want you to think of you about a sheep. A sheep under these circumstances with this shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. What more does a sheep want than that? He leaves me beside quiet waters. What a happy sheep. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you're with me. What a great shepherd. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Violently lavish. The 
gifts that he gives. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Not just the end of my life in eternity, but all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In addition to this lavish plenty that he gives us, there's also this offer of salvation universally. Verse 16, he says he's got other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. He's got to bring them on also. They're going to listen to his voice. And there should be one flock and one shepherd. He's making all people one under the banner of Jesus Christ. All people everywhere one. Galatians 3.28 says there's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. Colossians 3.11 actually turns it up. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Barbarians are like those European knuckleheads. I mean, they're up there wild men wearing crazy skins. and I mean, they're, 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 they're wild. They're tribal. They're, you know, the Greeks are all sophisticated. They're looking at these barbarians like, what? They're, they're, they call them barbarians because that's what they sound like. Their language is like, bar, 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 bar. They can't understand a word they're saying. Bar, 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 bar. Crazy barbarians. And Scythians are worse. Scythians are the worst of the barbarians. They're like super wild. Wild men. And the Spirit says there's room for barbarians and Scythians even. All being one in Christ Jesus. One flock. One shepherd. A universal call. And finally, he's the shepherd who saves exclusively. Verse 9, I'm the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He's the gate. In that pen, there is no other. He's calling, calling by name. Can you hear his voice calling you? Can you hear his voice calling you, offering you a relationship, a new community, a new flock, a new life, a new everything? Can you hear his voice calling you by name? He knows everything about you. And he loves you. And he's been waiting for the day where you'd want to know him too. Let me pray for you. If you're listening by way of the broadcast, I ask you please to call the counselors that are on the bottom of your screen. Please let today be the day. And if you're here in this place and you'd like to pray with somebody and, and uh, finally give your life to Christ or maybe there's just something else you need to talk about and pray about. We have counselors here in the rooms here to the right and they're here waiting for you. And ready for you. Let me pray for you. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this time. I know there's so much more we could say and so much more we should have said better in John 10, 1 through 21. But what we have seen here is that you love us. You want us. You died for us. And Lord, not only do, have you done all that, but you're wanting to give violently, lavishly, abundantly more to us. God, we're not worthy, and we're just humbled and amazed by your goodness and your grace. Now, Lord, I pray that what you want more than anything, a relationship, will actually happen for the hearers of your word today, and that people will give their hearts to you. We love you, Jesus, and we ask you please now by the Holy Spirit to work in this place, calling names and letting your voice be heard. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.